Welcome to today's Software and Electronics Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have the fascinating opportunity to speak to Enrique Sotomayor, the co-founder and co-CEO of Cryptoconomy. Enrique, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. Glad to be on the show. I have to say, I'm a little nervous to talk to you today because, I, in my experience, people who know about cryptocurrencies and that whole ecosystem are much smarter than me. So, you know, take it easy on me today. Yeah. No, I'm so, just a regular guy. <laughs> I have to say it's really fascinating. The cryptocurrency just as a concept is fascinating to me when you compare it to tradi- traditional, you know, gold standard currencies or, or you know, federal backed currencies and things like that. So I, I would really love to know how you as a normal guy wound up in this industry like give me the uh the the story of enrique sotomayor and how you got where you are yeah well i was always fascinated by technology so uh i went to ut trying to study get into the computer science program uh i was really fascinated with the, with the idea of companies like uber being able to put an idea out on the marketplace and generate crazy amount of value in super fast time. I remember when I was in in high school, I was just looking some numbers up and I saw that Uber was worth $51 billion. And then I did a search to see how much the Dallas Cowboys were worth. They were only worth $15 billion. And Uber was this company back then that was maybe three years old. The Dallas Cowboys are like maybe this 50-year-old most valuable franchise in sports. So that's when I was mind blown. Like the amount of value you can create on through a platform like the App Store so I went to UT, I was trying to, and like you were talking like this cryptocurrency thing, there's a lot of jargon, it's, it, it may feel like there's a lot of like smart people in that world. Well, it's just because it's the coupling of technology, which is this world that moves so fast, and then you add the economics of like this like macro thing where now suddenly government stances on things matter, and we have to set these, these uh, environmental incentives with mining strategies and so, so it may feel like this is like this is the the subset of technology where like maybe the the highest talent and the most technical talk <laughs> is happening at the moment and i i, I agree with that opinion but yeah you know, I you up, could... oh, sorry. Yeah. go ahead yeah i ended up in cryptocurrency as a result of some of my other ventures sort of slowing down so uh, when I first got to UT, I was doing this whole app economy stuff. I was trying to figure out what my startup was going to be. And me and my friends came up with this idea, which was Tutor, which was the Uber of education. So a marketplace for tutors to sign up. They set their own prices, whatever. And uh, we did that through UT. And UT was really excited um, for any student who has their own startup. So UT gave us all these resources. They put us through an incubator. And we met a lot of people. And then eventually this app failed. But all these people were interested later on in, in getting into the cryptocurrency uh, sphere. So, like, personally, outside of, like, being involved in this by having a business that's involved in it, uh, my co-founder and I were, like, trading cryptos way back since, like, 2013. And some of the people we met with Tudor, uh, they were involved before us. Um, one guy that works with us actually... Uh, he started the second crypto exchange ever. So that's kind of what drew me into the the crypto developer community. So this guy started a crypto exchange called CryptoExchange.us. 
And this was way in the early days of cryptocurrencies. So when, when Bitcoin first comes out in the marketplace, nobody knows what Bitcoin is. P people are struggling to understand what it is. And the infrastructure wasn't there for people to buy it or for people to hold it. So the first big site that came up for people to exchange this cryptocurrency was called Mount Gox. Mount Gox, I think, stood for Magic the Gathering online trading card. Um, so this was a website intended to to trade trading cards, and they they added this ability to trade crypto or crypto assets. Bitcoin was one of them. Well, these people ended up generating a crazy amount of money. They it was a big fraud. They shut down. They kept the money. My friend and a lot of the Bitcoin community uh, wanted to save Bitcoin because if Bitcoin were to fail, that was the moment Bitcoin fails when the first big ex exchange goes insolvent. So my friend launched his exchange. Uh, when you launch an exchange, you need a lot of legal paperwork done. You need to have a money transfer license, all this stuff. They didn't have any of that, so they were forced to shut it down eventually. But that's how he, he sort of got involved with the crypto community. His name is Will Tran. And I worked with him with Tudor, and then we, we did these other ventures, and eventually we're like, hey, like we see the wave coming. <laughs> like I, don't, I may not know how to surf, but he knows how to surf, so I'm going to go hang on to him. <laughs> You know, you mentioned uh, that the the kind of the event or the the situation that led you to this sort of cryptocurrency um, awareness was that your previous venture just kind of slowed down. Would it be safe to say that cryptocurrency hasn't even reached its maximum speed yet? Oh, definitely. The big argument right now is where we are exactly on the adoption curve. So the adoption curve is the, that famous like normal distribution. And there's all these books written about like crossing the chasm, getting to like the mainstream adopters. And a lot of people try to make the argument that we're about to get there. We're about to get the, the mainstream. But a lot of the developers are like, no, we haven't even touched. We're not even like, we haven't even left the early adopters yet. We're still, uh, it's the, the, all the adoption we've seen. People aren't utilizing this for its full potential yet. It's not being used as a cryptocurrency. It's not being used. I mean, it's not being used as a currency part. It's not being used as a means of exchange. Uh, it's being used more as like a speculative store of value right now. So we still have a lot of potential. We're, we're nowhere near uh, the mass suburban mom uh, adoption point of the, or the, the peak of the adoption point curve, in my opinion. I've always felt that when you are discussing a new concept, a new technology, that it's not really apples and oranges. So to be able to say where you are in a a curve, it, it's almost impossible to see that because you're in a curve that no one's ever been in before. So there's no way to know just how big it is. It exactly. you know now of course once you get to the other end and you look back and you can say oh well here's there's that point and that thing. It's it's almost like it's an invisible roadmap in front of you until you turn around and look backwards. So it would be really hard to extrapolate. Oh well, this is about to happen and that's about to happen because what's happening in cryptocurrency is not anything we've ever seen before. Exactly. Right. We don't know what dimensions to measure the success or failure by yet. So in hindsight, you're like, yeah, at this point we were doing these numbers, but like as it's happening, you don't know which numbers are the, the important ones to focus on. Yeah. And you may not know exactly how big or how fast or how far, but you can definitely gauge how fast you're moving. You have a you have a sense of how fast things are, you know, you're passing things. You do have a sense of speed and there are a couple of 
a couple of aspects of cryptocurrency that that have really fascinated me, and one of them is the concept of a miner. Mm. And and by that, and I'm not. I don't mean someone underage. I mean obviously a miner, a a rig or a a computer that is used to actually generate or find. I think is a better way, maybe to put it, an actual Bitcoin or an actual piece of cryptocurrency. Can you give me the the super simple layman's? Yeah explanation of a miner but right. also from there can you go from that hardware sort of view to the software side as an investor definitely. tool because they're two completely different concepts right definitely yeah so you don't there's many ways to get a bitcoin you don't just have to go through an exchange where you're being matched with somebody on the other side on the opposite side of the trade i might be buying they might be selling uh that's one way but the other way to get a bitcoin is to earn a bitcoin to trade your energy for Bitcoin. And that's essentially the task Bitcoin miners have. So uh, what Bitcoin is, it's Bitcoin or what blockchain is, it's, it's just a new data structure. It's a new way for us to design our databases. So we, we're gonna, gonna start designing data structures now decentralized to where we're not paying one server to host you know, all my content from my app. Instead, instead, my content is gonna be hosted across all the people who use my app. So in order to do that, there's a couple mechanisms that that bitcoin puts in place that create this this need for miners so uh what a miner is doing a miner is dedicating a computing resource to the network that's all they're doing so in in the bitcoin network all the nodes anybody who's a wallet or participating in the network they're they're just repeating all the messages they hear so i might be saying hey i'm sending sean two dollars i'm i'm requesting three dollars from dennis i'm just broadcasting all these networks to everybody and the miners are dedicating their resource to writing all these broadcasts down so they're writing down every single transaction that happens and at the same time they're trying to race whoever wins this race gets to suggest this book of transactions i wrote down which is called a block to all the other miners if they verify that that this is what they wrote down to that this is honest then i'm rewarded with one bitcoin so uh, that's where the bitcoin comes in that's where this token this currency that is a reward that's given uh, to the miners if what they suggest is is what the other miners agree with. So it's a recognition of effort that you put in that's codified into a digital piece of currency. Exactly. So it's it's called the proof of work algorithm. So it's this algorithm okay. that says you give me work, uh, you prove the amount of computational power that you, you contributed towards solving this problem, and I'll pay you out proportional to that. Okay, so there's that way to generate, you know, a way to generate a previously non-existent um, payment uh, bearer mm -hmm. item in mm -hmm. a piece of cryptocurrency. But that seems, while well, you would say, well, that's extremely democratic. Anybody can build a rig and do that. But the amount of computational power that is used is... I don't want to say exponential, but it literally is. You could you have a you could have a mining farm that had a hundred if you had the you know the wherewithal to to generate and and harness the electricity and build the facility. You could have a hundred mining rigs all running uh, computations at one time, and that that would seem to be cost prohibitive for a normal person like me to try and get a foothold in the cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. arena. However, however, ways. you uh -huh. you have found a way 
that I could enter into that arena through investor tools through software. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not like the first one here, but a lot of so mining is like at its core this very democratic ideal. This anybody can dedicate the computing resource and and uh, giving your con con computing resource to a service isn't the like it wasn't invented by Bitcoin. So NASA's been doing it for a while. You can go to NASA's websites and pledge your computing resource at night, and they use your computing resource to try to like do do these map readings of the sky to see where there's intelligent life. So gi giving your computing resource, paying the energy bill for them to do whatever you believe in has existed before Bitcoin, but now Bitcoin takes it to the next level. So it, it can be seen as like, hey, you know, I heard this number uh, a couple days ago that like one transaction in the Bitcoin network costs as much as the average American home's electricity bill does over 18 months. So like there's a lot of these metrics that could be seen that's like, oh, wow, this is a very energy expensive thing. Why is this democratic ideal so expensive for us to execute? Um, but there are other ways of looking at it. So another way to look at it is like, hey, built into this mining structure is an incentive. Whoever can get the cheapest energy can profit the most. I no longer have to pay my energy bill. All that I mine is pure profit. So the, there are incentives that were their solar farms just dedicated. All their, their solar energy that they're capturing are dedicated towards mining cryptocurrencies. And Bitcoin specifically was this cryptocurrency that because of, because of the fact it was the first cryptocurrency, its its mining algorithm has sort of been um, it's been condensed into what is called an ASIC chip. So not anybody can compete anymore. It's not like my computer can compete with these big, super rich investors who are able to put up a mining farm. Uh, you play such a small role. So people have specialized the hardware necessary to run the Bitcoin mining algorithm specifically to where. My computing power is orders of magnitude weaker than theirs, so I can't even compete. It's not even worth me paying that electricity bill. But other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum, like Zcash, these cryptocurrencies are mineable on GPUs. So GPUs are a core component of any computer. So this computer can just, can, your regular PC gaming computer could be mining Ethereum. Uh, so there are other cryptocurrencies that have kind of followed Bitcoin's example of like this proof of work algorithm, but have made it a little bit more democratic, avoided this this ability for people who have specialized hardware to have a competitive advantage, but sort of okay. So here's a uh, go ahead. Yeah, sort of what we were doing at Crypto Economy was trying to combine all the different ways anybody can go, get into into mining. So all, there's a bunch of different ways. So one way could be like you buy your own mining rig, so we can help sell you a mining rig. An another way you can get into the mining sphere uh, is if you you do mining as a service. So I pay a company X amount of dollars, like say $15 a month. They turn that $15 into $15 worth of electricity and they mine with that $15 and they send me whatever they mine. Uh, so that's another thing that we're doing. We're setting up a mine, cloud that's called cloud mining. We're setting up that cloud mining operation in Canada. And then we have our own centralized mining operation in Canada as well. So we're trying to get in. And so that's almost like a speculation. I say, here's $15. Let's see what you can do with this $15. And then if I, if we earn a return above the $15, I get some dividends on that. Right. Yeah. The people who, who would be buying into cloud mining are, they pick the specific currency that you're mining for them. So they, uh, so they, they it is speculative in the sense that they're, they are longing that cryptocurrency because they, they believe that $15 is worth more as that cryptocurrency than as the U.S. dollars or whatever. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so for so, me, though, like, it's not really speculative in the sense that, like, if it goes, if the value, the U.S., so there's a couple different ways to look at this. So personally, like, I invest in things for two different reasons. So either I think it has value or I think it has money. They're not mutually exclusive. So in Bitcoin specifically, in this cryptocurrency thing, I'm not investing in it because I want to make money. I'm investing in it because I think it has value. So in a, in a day, like, the, the price might go down 20%. Or that's the U.S. dollar value. The amount of Bitcoin I'm holding hasn't gone down 20%. So to me, that that doesn't matter at all. So and in, in mining, you're not buying this. You're 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 being rewarded in this token, and you're not selling it right away. So so the market price of Bitcoin isn't necessarily the economic value of the miners' reward of the Bitcoin. That brings us to the end of part one of my interview with Enrique Sotomayor from CryptoEconomy.World. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to MarketScale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.